0: Tonight, I am going to um, talk to you. I don't normally teach just like this. I'm going to mention a litany of things tonight um, very directly. And what I'm, when I mean directly, I mean uh, just getting right to the point. And with each of these things, of course, Especially because they are from the Word of God, Um, you could take a multi hour Bible study and break each of these things down, flesh all these things out in the Spirit or in the uh, Word of God, and teach and and break it down verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Um, But that would not, time would not allow me to get through as much as I feel like the Lord wants us to cover tonight. But I'm, I'm going to start, start in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, and verse 1. Everybody say, we believe. We believe. Everybody say, we believe. we believe. You've got to decide what you believe. And if what you believe is not in alignment with the, with the Word of God then you need to realign what you believe. And I appreciate you Amen, in that. I'm not probably going to holler a lot tonight, but you, I say something you agree with, you can amen it or respond or do a flip or run or slap your neighbor or whatever. Uh, don't, no, don't do that. But um, 1 John chapter 1 and 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, And we are leaving the classes in tonight, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Our hands have handled it. We've looked upon it. We've seen it. We've seen it with our eyes, is what John said. That was the Word of Life. And of course, they were talking about Jesus Christ, who was the Word, God, manifest in the flesh. But he also left us the word of life right here. And so we could see the same, say the same things about this book. We've seen it and we've handled it. This book is the word of life. The words in it give life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. And so what John is saying is we we didn't get this second hand or third hand. We didn't hear this in the rumor mill. These things that we share with you, we share them because we've seen them with our own eyes. And, and we, have handled, we have handled these things. We've handled the word of life. And that's why we declare it unto you. We declare unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifest unto us. And he said, of course I read that in verse 3, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Your connection with the word of God is going to cause your joy to be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, Everybody say, God is light. God is light. light, And in him is no darkness at all. So if you're going to be like God, you have to be the light of the world. And there cannot be any darkness in you at all. Now that will make a little bit more sense here in a little while. If we say that we have fellowship with him, listen carefully. If we say that we have fellowship with him, well, I'm a Christian. And we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Fellowship with him, it is imperative That every form of darkness in your life is squelched. That it is removed. That it's taken out. Everything that is unclean. Everything that's vile. Everything that's evil. Everything that is fleshly. Everything that is lustful. Everything that is of the world. We have to get it out of our lives. Because if we say we have fellowship with him. And we allow darkness to remain in us then we are liars and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How many of you are thankful tonight that God took the worst (laughs) sins you ever committed and wiped them away? And wash them away, cleanse them with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now I want you to, I want you to read this with me as you see it behind me. I want you to read this very carefully because the word of God does not lie. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So key words in this passage of scripture, truth and light and course, having no sin, having no darkness at all, making the distinction between that which is right and that which is wrong, that which is godly and that which is ungodly. There has to be that distinction in your life. When you made up in your mind to live for God and the Lord pulled you out of the stuff that you were doing, everything about your life should be in the process of changing it doesn't all change overnight but you you should quit lying you should quit conniving quit deceiving quit gossiping if you agree with it you can say amen it's in the book right and you pull away from sin if you've got substances that you are addicted to Things that you relied on before you found the grace and the mercy and the joy and the power of God Almighty. Things like cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and sex and pornography and all those crutches that people use to cope with things that they are going through. When the Lord fills you with the Holy, the Holy Ghost, He pulls you out of that. You have to leave it behind. Is that right? And and the world also has a dress code too i always say that that sin makes a makes a man want to cover his face and uncover his body but righteousness makes a man want to uncover his face and cover his body there's a total change from darkness to light darkness has a dress code it has a mindset it has an attitude it has a vocabulary it has habits, it has addictions, it has feelings, and so does light. It has all those things. It has a dress code, it has an attitude, it has a behavior, it has a conduct, it has a relationship. Have I lied yet? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Notice how it describes it there. It was cunningly devised. Like like people sit down and thought it through. They, they wrote it out. They scripted it. They tried to figure out how inclusive that they could make it. Now, the kingdom of God is inclusive. But heaven is exclusive. Anybody can move into the kingdom of God by being born again in the water and the spirit. But you're not, you're not moving... Uh, you're not going to make it to heaven by allowing darkness to remain in your life. He said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. These stories that people make up, these this sugary religious theological ideologies. There's not much theology to it. It's just ideology that people speak from podiums. They are cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. We saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw the miracles that he performed. We were there the night that he walked on water, when he calmed the, 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 the sea, when he turned water into wine. We, we were there at the, the crucifixion. We were there at the resurrection. We, we saw him after his resurrection. We were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We received, we saw, we heard the validation from heaven that this was the Son of God. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Transfiguration. We heard that same voice. Confirm to us again, this is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. It's, it's airtight. It's built on a strong foundation. Now, some of you are going to miss this lesson tonight. This is a very important lesson. It, it's established. It's built on a rock. It's formed up. The bones are good. It's, it's unshakable. It's unflappable. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Not something that man made up, but we, we heard it out of the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. It's a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures is of any private interpretation. That's where a lot of people go awry. Now, I wanna, I'm going to frame it in this context here tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody. I certainly don't have anybody in mind. But if this applies to you, just take it to heart and say, hey, the man's trying to help me. But you, you can't sit at home and build your own theology. And not make what you believe accountable to somebody else. We're the body of Christ, not the individual of Christ. We are the body of Christ fitly joined together and compacted. It has to be submitted to somebody. It has to be fleshed out. It has to be tried and proven. The way you try and prove it is by faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You exercise your faith. And if what you're doing is right, God will respond to it. He will validate it. He will affirm it. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You can't just sit around and say, I've got this belief system that nobody else in the world has. No, it's got to line up with the scripture and it has to be submitted to people that can confirm or deny it. I practice that so I can say it. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's important. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Man did not make it up. It certainly wasn't made up two or three hundred years after Christ. Anybody in the time of the New Testament, anybody in the time of the Old Testament that felt like that they were building their own well, I don't you know, I don't care if there's six hundred and thirteen statutes, precepts, and commandments in the law, I can still be a Jew and only believe in five hundred and ninety nine of them. I don't like those other fourteen. No, if it's not the whole truth, it's not truth. It's a lie Now we've got a generation That That plays with this book They, they just play around with it they, they Get in here and they pick their favorite verses And they build a whole doctrine around it Let me give you an example John three sixteen, For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son That whosoever believeth him should not perish But have everlasting life That's a verse, not a doctrine And if you're going to take John 3 and 16 you got to take John 3 and 5 Because John 3 and 5 said Before John 3 and 16 You must be born again in the water and the spirit Or you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven Let, Let me say that again you must be born again. You, you have to be. You, you need, you got to be. You must be born again of the water of the spirit or you cannot, you cannot, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you, you can't, you can't cherry pick the scripture. Stay with me because I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not in a hurry tonight. You cannot cherry pick the scripture, and, and you, can't, you can't sit out there in the pew and, and just be a picky eater. You got a plate that the Lord's filling tonight, and God wants you to eat everything on the plate, but you can't say, I'm not eating those Brussels sprouts. I'm not, I'm not eating that asparagus. I don't like mashed potatoes. Thank you, Brother Steve. The Lord sets a table before you. It's because he puts everything on that table that you need for nourishment and to strengthen your relationship with God. It's, it's so important that you understand that holy men of God, men that God handpicked out of a 4,000-year time span, like Moses, like Abraham, like David, like, like, uh, Ez- like uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel, and like Daniel, Holy men of God, like the Apostle Paul, like Peter, like John, the beloved. Holy men of God wrote, they spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now, this word, this word is precious and we'll we'll talk more about it in a minute. But when you go to Revelation chapter 22, the scripture says, said in verse 12, Behold, I come quickly. Everybody say, The Lord Lord is coming quickly. And my reward is with me. I'm coming quickly to reward, reward those that were obedient to me. To give every man according to his work. To give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning, the ending, the first, the last. Now, For those of you, we don't have red letter edition on the screen. I guess we only have white letter edition. But there's nothing wrong with that. On my phone, I got black letter edition. But if you had a red letter edition Bible, you would see that that verse right there is in red. It's not in black. I saw you lift your Bible. Is it red in your Bible? Okay. Do you know what that means? That means that's the words of Jesus. Now, this book is called Revelation. But some Bibles call it the Revelation of Jesus Christ because that's the first sentence in the book. It is not the book of Revelations. It is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the Lord saying, if you missed what I was trying to tell you in the first 65 books, I'm going to give you one more book and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That's pretty easy, isn't it? It's so easy. He said, well, the father said that about himself too. That's right. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and my father are one. Not one in agreement. We are one. We are the same. Now, God said, I, I will not share my glory with anybody. That's what God said, right? Way back in the Old Testament. I'm a jealous God, and I will not share my glory with anybody. You said, well, he shared it with the Son and the Holy Ghost. No, he didn't. Son of God by flesh. God was in Christ. But the end of it all, the revelation is we believe. But I am Alpha. And omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, I want you to leave it up there just a minute. You don't, you don't get more clear than that. Now, listen to me, folks. I'm not trying to be unkind. But anybody that tells you that Jesus is not God, I don't mean God too, a junior, or just a son of God. That he is not God Almighty. And that the name of Jesus is not above every name. Anybody that tells you different than what that verse says right there is either wildly confused or they're intentionally lying to you. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you're having trouble seeing who Jesus is, it's because you're missing the revelation part you're looking at it with natural eyes and say well that don't make sense God's a spirit and then here's God number two God Junior that's down here on earth for 33 and a half years and his name was Jesus but then there's another entity over here it's the third person in the Trinity the word Trinity is not the Bible because the Trinity does not exist there is only one God one one there's only one hear O Israel the Lord our God is one that's it not hard. It's not hard. People, people are making it hard because they're lying. Verse 14, blessed are they that do his commandments. Whose commandments? God, the commandments of Jesus that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, for dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Can I just stop right here? And, And can I tell you, we have a serious problem with lying in our into that city you will be cast into outer darkness and a lake of fire with whoremongers and sorcerers Holy Ghost filled people have to stop the lion I'm going to be as kind as I know how This, this space may look stupid to you But I'm not stupid. Most of the time, the reason I don't call you on your lies is because it's so ridiculous, I'm embarrassed for you. Some of y'all sitting out there have told me lies straight in front of my face. And I walk away and you believe that I believed your lie, but I didn't believe a word of it. Why would you walk away? Because the Lord told me not to say anything We have a problem with lying folks You know what? If you don't want to have to lie about something Quit committing sin Quit living in rebellion Quit disobeying the word of God It's I'm not the enemy I, along with the Lord Jesus Christ, am your best friend. Say, boy, you're putting yourself up there with Jesus Christ. I'm not. But trust me, you'd rather have to deal with me than deal with his judgments and his wrath. I'm trying to protect you from his wrath by telling you the truth, by teaching you the word of God, by giving you sound doctrine, by expressing to you a more sure word of prophecy. We've got to live an honest life. We have to live an honest life. Are you here tonight? It's important. Quit making up stories about one another. Quit believing one side of the story and regurgitating it and joining a camp and casting stones at your brother and your sister. It's dishonest, it's deceptive, it's a lie if you're known for that kind of behavior, you need to find an altar somewhere. I know it's getting a little tight in here right now. I'm trying to help some people. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And God calls you into truth. Stop living a lie. If... If you look one way in the church and another way out of the church, and I'm not talking about dress clothes and casual clothes. If you behave one way in the church but another way out of the church, that's a lie. That's hypocrisy. If you treat somebody to their face different than you do behind their back, that's hypocrisy. We've got a problem with telling lies. I don't know why people think, okay, well, it's just, you're just a human being. I am. But I've got a pipeline to heaven. And there's a radar that goes off in my spirit. I know a lie when I hear it. Just because I don't say anything. Just because I don't call you on it doesn't mean that it's not still a lie. Why are you talking to me like this? I want you to feel uncomfortable about it. Because if you don't stop it, you're going to wind out uh, outside the gates of that city. There's going to be, can I, I'm just, I'm just trying to be kind. I really am. There's going to be people, good people, people that'll bake a cake and give you the shirt off their back and uh, feed the poor and be a good neighbor and, you know, give you a dollar when you're short on a dollar, but they can't get their life together. And those good people are going to burn in the abyss forever and eternity Constant falling forever in eternity. There's no bottom. There's no bottom to it. Going to burn an eternity with the most vile, hateful, vicious, angry, malicious, violent people that society has ever seen. Imagine, you're going to be in the same company with Jeffrey Dahmer. You, you are going to live in the same environment with Adolf Hitler. Can you imagine after sitting on an apostolic pew? I'm not getting on to anybody here tonight, but I am trying to put a little conviction on this church. This book that we have, every, every letter, and I don't mean to be redundant, but every, every letter of this book, I want to get down here with these young men. Here, I want you to touch this book. I want you to hold that book just a minute. I want you to put both hands on it. Just, just grip it. Just hold it good. Feel how soft that leather is? That right there is more precious than gold. That, that is more value than the largest Fortune 500 company in the world has today. Than all of Wall Street. Than every government. Take all the wealth of the entire world and every government in the world. And that right there has more value. Every Every word of it is precious. Hold on to it. The reason I'm giving it to these young men is because some of them probably hadn't touched the Bible in a while. They may see it on their phone, but there's something about handling that book right there. I don't want to just see it with my eyes. I want to handle it. I want to feel it. it. It's tangible. I can hold it in my hand right here. The Bible said this is the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to just squeeze it. Just, Just tighten down on it. Hold it that right there that, that's, what, that's what this world is trying to take out of your heart that right there they're trying to tell our young men and young women that there's 20 something genders they're putting pressure on the church don't you dare talk about homosexuality I'll talk about homosexuality just like I talk about adultery and just like fornication if you fornicate and you die lost. You're going to hell. If you commit adultery and you die without repenting, and and God can't forgive you, and whatever, you're going to hell. If you're a homosexual and you don't turn to God, you are going to hell. I can't. I can't change what's in this book. You say that's that's unkind. It's not unkind. Hell's unkind. Hell's unkind. Hell is unkind. Hold on to that. You. You cannot cannot let go of that book You can't let go of that book And every single word of God is pure Now in this book I, I grew up I grew up I remember my first Bible It was a small kind of About two thirds the size of this And it was brown As a young kid I wrote all in that book, not not drawing pictures, not scribbling, but highlighting and underlining, memorizing. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Those scriptures, we call them pearls. In our church. They were called pearls. Learning your pearls because these are pearls of great price. These, these, you cannot measure the value of every word in this book. Now, to think about cherry picking this book because of something that my little brain doesn't agree with. Do, do you know how stupid that is? <laughs> do you know how ignorant that is? Do you know how ridiculous that is. For people to get in there and say God understand. God don't understand. God don't understand why you don't want to know the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. God doesn't understand. Why you want to possess the light. But hold on to the darkness at the same time. He don't understand. Why you want portions of holiness. But you criticize other portions of holiness. Why do you criticize it? Because I don't agree with it. Stupid. Stupid Well so and so does it I don't care who does it I don't care who does it I want to know what God says about it Now we, we believe what's in this book Right? It's kind of a broad stroke isn't it? Broad brush let's, let's start with the most elementary things here tonight Prayer This book talks about prayer right? We learn about altars early on in scripture Is that correct? So we believe in prayer, right? We believe in prayer. Is that right? Why? Because it's in this book. Who said that? Thank you. We believe in praise and worship. Is that right? Why? Because it's in the book. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but you have to decide what you believe. Well, I believe the word of God. Do you? Because there are portions of it that we're not living. And if we're not living it, we apparently don't believe it. The moment you say, I don't believe that. Now, I'm not talking about a rumor or something you see on uh, some stupid media platform out there. I'm talking about what you read in the book. Ah, I don't believe that's for me. Sure it is, because God's no respecter of persons. Everything in this book is for everybody in this building and everybody in the world it's not his will that any should perish have I lost you yet okay we believe in preaching because it's in this book now do we believe in the fivefold ministry if you don't know what the fivefold ministry that that is the the office and the gifting of the prophet the office and the gifting of the apostle the office and the gifting of the evangelist the office and the gifting of the the teacher and the office and the gifting of the pastor apostles prophets Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Do we believe that? Yes. Why? Because it's in the book. You know, there's some apostolic people that don't believe that. Even though it says that that fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the church and the edifying of the body of Christ, meaning that you can't have a perfected church and you can't have a church that's fully edified without the fivefold ministry in operation. But you know how many apostolic people do not believe in the fivefold ministry? You know what that's called? Unbelief. It's called unbelief. We believe in the nine gifts of the Spirit. Is that right? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of prophecy, tongues and interpretation, discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, uh, gift of faith, and the working of miracles. We believe in all nine of those, right? Do we believe in that? Raise your hand if you believe that. Why do we believe that? Because it's in the book. We believe that. We believe that. It, the, the book, the word of God is so clear. This is what we're going to be judged by right here. We're going to be judged by, I didn't do that. We're going to be judged by this right here. We will be judged by this word right here. We will stand before God and he will look at our life and see if it measures up to what the instructions that were given in this book. But it's our lifestyles that get in the way of our believing. Because It's our upbringings that get in the way of our believing. It's what so-and-so said, or it's what so-and-so preached, or it's what so-and-so taught. Well, let me give you a little helpful clue about, about so-and-sos that say certain things. And they're good people. Some of them are. Some of them are not. Some of them are devils. And I'm talking about people preaching false doctrine. But there's a lot of good people out there that don't teach... Things that you may or might not hear from this pulpit. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't have the Bible memorized. That's shocking, right? I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't have it memorized. And what I do know, there's there's layer layer after layer after layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. On every word and every verse in this book That over the years there is, a, there is a progressive revelation Of the revealing of God In this book That's why you can read the same verse That you've read a hundred times And go, oh, wow And it just smack you right in the face And go, I just Man, I just figured out what that meant No, you didn't figure it out The Holy Ghost revealed it to you so be careful about listening to people, even good people, that don't preach certain things or they do preach certain things right now because it may be that the Lord has not revealed that to them yet. Because maybe they hadn't been in a situation where they need to have a revelation of that just yet and say, well, why would God leave it unrevealed? For the same reason that the day you get the Holy Ghost, God doesn't snap his finger and you become perfectly like Jesus Christ. It's a revealing process for every single one of us, for me and for the elders, for everybody. My bishop can tell you, he'll be be 80 years old June the 21st of this year. It's coming up in just, I don't know, less than three weeks. And at 80 years old, he puts together two sermons a day has been doing that for decades. And he will tell you that tonight or tomorrow. He will sit down at that book, And God will show him something that he's never seen before. So be careful about being so arrogant. To say I believe this, this and that. But I don't believe that, that and that. Can't do it. Now I believe in respect for authority. Do we, do we believe that? Amen. We believe in honor our. Father and mother, that our days may be long upon the earth. We believe in that. We believe in honoring spiritual headship and leadership, right? Why do we believe that? It's in the book. It's in the book. We don't believe in idolatry, right? Why? Because it's in the book. Because he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Ah, it's Old Testament stuff. Oh, come on. Are we really that simple-minded? Let me, let, me just, let me just help you right now. Anybody believe it's okay to murder anybody? Anybody okay? I go out and just kill somebody, it's no problem, right? Anybody believe that? No, nobody believes that. That's Old Testament. It's Old Testament. You know, Jesus didn't throw the Old Testament away. He showed us what the Old Testament looked like. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. I'm the embodiment of the word. I am the law incarnate. I'm showing you what it looks like when you line up with God, when you get in alignment with God. Now, we don't believe in idolatry. I don't think there's anybody in here that that kneels down. Maybe there is. I don't know. But you don't kneel down at a stone statue and, oh, great rock, piece of statue, stone, whatever. We certainly wouldn't pray to any saints or anything like that. But, but you know, bow down to, you know, statues, you know, in the garden or something like that or whatever, you know, we, we don't believe in holding on to idolatry, you know, idolatry stuff and praying for that and all kind of stuff because idolatry is idolatry. He said, I don't want you to make anything that represents anything in the physical that represents me. I'm a spirit. Don't put me in a box. Because I'm thousands of different things And I'll be this when you need me When you're sick I'll be your physician But don't build a statue and make me a physician Don't make something in the natural that represents me Now we don't, we don't, we don't believe in idolatry But we differ on what idolatry is But the scripture says that jewelry is idolatry Around the finger, around the wrist, around the ankle, around the neck In the tongue, in the belly button Around the toe. You call it idolatry. It's very simple. It's not hard to find. It's in there from, from cover to cover. It's in there. We don't believe in it. Why? Because it's in the book. Well, I like jewelry. Well, you're going to have to pray through. You, you, you got a question. You've got, you got a question to answer in your own life now. Am I going to believe the book or am I going to do what I think is right? Because... When you stand before God, this is the only thing. God is not going to circumvent his, his law and his word and his book. This is the instruction manual. Are you here tonight? This is important. Now, I, 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 believe, I believe in training up a child in the way that they should go. And when you're old, your kids are old, they will not depart from it. And I, I need some of you just to pull your feelings in for here for just a moment. and let, let me help you. I've met all of your children. And they're cute and they're handsome and they're wonderful and beautiful. And I love them to death, no matter what age they are. But I've, I've yet to see a halo on any of them. I haven't seen a halo on any of them. And your kid, no matter how amazing you think they are, they're not always that amazing. Talking to the parents right now. We know because we see them when you don't. <laughs> well, my kid, my kid wouldn't do that. They actually did. <laughs> there. No, no, not, not, not my kid. Hey, I've seen it with my eyes. And I've handled it, okay? I'm handling it. You understand? That's a little play on words there. But, but I believe in the ability in your child. That is what they do out there. That's what their friends out in the world do. That's what people out in the world, I'm the institutions, and I'm not going to name the institutions, but that's what, that's what they do. Because they have a certain process that they go through. And if you don't abide by their process, you get kicked out. We don't do that here. This is not a cult. This is a place where we break the Word of God and we break bread in this place. And we try to teach your children from a young age not to backtalk and that the classroom doesn't belong to them. And that everybody in the classroom is important. And that just because you're cute doesn't mean you're the king or the queen of the classroom. Or the king or the queen or the youth group. And you don't get to spout off to the student pastor or his wife. And you just remember you just remember this. The things that are cute when they're this tall are not cute when they're in a jail cell. Because you taught them that, that adults are not important. And that they are smarter than adults. And that they are more... They are funnier than adults and that they can talk to adults however they want to and they can interrupt adults and they can call adults by their first name and they can be disrespectful to leadership and all that kind of stuff. It's important. The stuff that I'm talking about here tonight, the reason I'm saying this is because what we teach is in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. We don't have another rule book. Okay? No offense to any other religions, but I will say we don't have a Book of Mormon. Okay? This is, this is not a cultic religion. One of, the, one of the signs of a cult, one of the number one signs of a cult, is they have extra biblical material that they invoke upon their people. We don't make up prophecies. And we don't write books of our prophecies and turn them into doctrines and laws. This is the inspired word of God. We're holy men of God. We're moved on by the Holy Ghost. And they spake. It is a more sure word of prophecy. So, we, we only have one goal. We only have one goal. That's to get the truth into the hearts of people. As fastly and most effectively and as many as we can. Because I'm going to tell you something. 7 billion people on the earth, and it grieves me every day to think, how in the world are we going to reach them? Well, God's just going to understand. No, he won't. He will not understand, just like he didn't understand in Noah's day. God saved eight souls in Noah's day and destroyed the rest of the earth by the flood. The same thing is going to happen in our day. It's not going to be by a flood. It's going to be by fire. He will destroy the earth by fire. The wrath of God will come upon this, and it will all be wiped out, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and there won't be, another se- there won't be a second chance. So we're not, we're not cherry-picking the word of God here. We believe. Everybody say we believe. We believe believe every word in the book. Picking back up in Revelation 22 and 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Just in case... You were thinking that he was somebody else He said I'm Alpha and Omega The beginning and the end The first and the last And he comes at verse 16 And says oh by the way I'm the same one that you heard about I'm the root and the offspring of David I was the one that was born in Bethlehem I was the one that was born of a virgin And he said I'm the bride and morning star And the spirit and the bride say come And let him that heareth say come And let him that is a thirst come And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Be careful how you handle the word of God. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of the book of this prophecy, well, that's only for revelation. No, it's for, the, it's for the word of God. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testified these things, saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, in Titus chapter 1, In verse 10, it said, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now, the circumcision, he's not saying here that the Jewish people are foolish and vain talkers and deceivers, but he's saying unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, they are that way even though they are Jewish people whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. Listen carefully. They subvert whole houses. Be careful who you let in your house. Teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake or for greed's sake or doing it all about money. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans... Are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. These, this witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. This is a real problem. It's a real problem. You, you don't picking a church is not multiple choice. Neither is picking a, picking a doctrine. You, you need to hunger for the word of God to be rightly divided. You need to hunger for the word of God to be rightly divided. I don't want a preacher. To make me feel good. That's not what the preacher's for in my life. That's not what my pastor's for. When I call my bishop, I don't say, Brother Born, Bishop Born, if you don't mind, would you just spend a little time here and tell me how amazing I am. I need you to pep me up, prop me up. And I'll tell you what I'm doing wrong and you'll tell me why it's okay. Okay. That's not what he's for. He's the shepherd of my soul. When I call him, I'm very careful about how I address him. I'm very careful about how I respond to him. And most of the time, if I'm not calling a check on him to see how he's doing or Or to to ask for counsel. I'm asking for what do you see? What do I need to work on? What what can you shave off of me? What can you point out? What speck, what flaw do you see? I, I don't know why people want a preacher a pastor that will not be blunt with him and just cut to the chase and tell him the truth just tell me the truth i don't you don't need to beat around the bush with me just tell me the truth well because the truth hurts it don't matter if it hurts or not hell is going to hurt you can't even measure how much hell is going to hurt compared Just somebody hurting my little feelings. How many of you feel that way? I need a man of God in my life that will say, you need to stop doing that. And the reason is because it's in this book. And you need to start doing this. And the reason you need to start doing that is because it's in this book. Let me tell you what's going to send people to hell The spirit of offense. People that can't handle the truth. They've got their mind made up, what they believe, how they're going to live, what's right and what's wrong, and they can't handle the truth. And so when they hear the truth, it offends them and, and they get their feelings hurt. It is impossible to be deceived without being offended first. The word of God cuts, but it cannot, we cannot let it offend us. Can you say amen to that? If you believe it. If you believe it. Revelation 21 and 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, notice that he put fearful in there. And murderers, why? Because fear is the opposite of faith. Murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Everybody say all liars. liars. Even people that are baptized in Jesus' name. Even people that go to church regularly. Even people that, you know, I don't think we got them up here, but sing on the praise team. and even people that run cameras, people that are on the greeting team, even Sunday school teachers, tithers, even big tithers, even people that write big checks and offerings, even those, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second, it is the second death. Now, we believe in modesty. we believe in modesty. Let me tell you what modesty means to me and the reason it means this to me is because these are these are the principles that I find in scripture regarding modesty. Modesty. Modesty is such an important quality. It's, it's it's a necessary quality. You you must you must have it in your life. And modesty, just really overall means having a proper estimation of oneself. I mean, you're amazing. I love you, but you're you're not that amazing. And neither am I. And Modesty is is humility. It's humility and and it's godliness. Please hear what I'm about to say. Modesty is humility and it's godliness and it's holy. Modesty is the attitude within us that says... Lord, and all of my flaws and all of my imperfections, make me more like you in everything I do, in my conversation, in my attitude, in the way that I treat people, the way that I worship you. You know why a lot of people don't worship? They're too busy worshiping themselves. I mean, that's, that's what that is really when you come into the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and you stand there unmoved with no words to say, with no hands lifted, with nothing to say about how great he is, but just that I'm here and somebody ought to be glad about it. Modesty is having the proper estimation of oneself. We we are living we are living in a world. There's a reason why I started early tonight, if you can't tell. We are living in a world that is has made it okay. The tighter it is, the more it's accepted. Now (laughs) I I'm not a male model. I know you're shocked. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to figure out every day. I, mean, I know it shocked you. I, I look in the mirror before I leave the house. I look in the mirror. And I'm, I'm trying to see what people see when they look at me. I'm not talking about perfection I'm just talking about attention Attention The world does not need to see everything you've got And if they can see it Through the clothing It doesn't matter If if there's not any clothing We'll say now you're getting legalistic I'm not getting legalistic You're getting legalistic Because you can't understand what the spirit of Christ looks like. There was no form nor comeliness in him. That when we should see him, we should desire him. What that was saying is, there was nothing in Christ that would make the world lust after him. And females, I I know there's a lot of pushback on this. Because it seems like a lot of the outward stuff is... Is, applies to females. But in order to understand that, you need to understand the male. You need to understand that you can be responsible for causing a man to stumble. Or how about a young man? No offense to these guys, but how about a teenage young man? If you're not a man, you can't possibly understand. But there is a reason why God demanded so vehemently modesty on a female. There's a reason why that the instruction in the scripture was that clothing for a female was never to divide the legs because it's a sexual thing. And there is a reason Why the inside of a woman's thigh was never to be seen in public. There's a reason for that. You think God put these things in his eternal book? This is this book is eternal. He said, My word is forever settled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And he put stuff in his book about a woman's body and about apparel for a man and apparel for a woman and that a fact that a woman's hair should be long and uncut and a covering unto her and give her power on her head because of the angels. That when she prays with her covering and her submitted spirit, that the angels in heaven pay attention. A woman's prayer is power, a a submitted woman's, a modest woman, a holy, godly woman's prayer is powerful. He put that stuff in his book. This world is trying to erase gender distinction for a reason. There's a reason why the fashion industry is doing what it has done for the last 100 plus years, but for 5,900 years, there was never an issue with it. There's a reason why God addressed it in his book. Are you still here with me? This ain't ugly. This is the word of God. The woman was made for the man, not for men. She was made for her husband, not for somebody else's husband. Not for some teenager's eyes. I appreciate the amens. It needs to be a little bit stronger than that. Now, I've said this many times before holiness is not frumpiness, and holiness is not homeliness. Holiness is beautiful. 30-year-old clothes that don't fit and bags and stuff hanging all over me and, and just looking frumpy. Do I look like the example of Christ? Do I look like the light of the world? Do I look like somebody that has it all together that God's cleaned up and pulled out of this world? No. I don't wear the oldest clothes that I've got to the house of the Lord because this is the house of the Lord. Say, <laughs> so, well... I'd like for you to prove me that in Scripture. Okay, well, go to the Old Testament and look at the laws concerning the garments of the priesthood. I know you thought I was done because I came back up here. <laughs> go look at the law of the Old Testament and look at the detail that God put into the garments of the priesthood. What was he saying? You're a royal Priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are the light of the world. The Holy Spirit, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the tabernacle of God with man. If you're going to be a witness, be the best possible witness that you can. And if somebody ever compliments your shoes or your clothes or anything like that, the first words out of your mouth ought to be, Let me tell you how good that God is. Because I hadn't always looked like this. I hadn't always looked this put together and say, Well, that's pride. No, it ain't. Pride is an attitude. Looking like, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but look at, I'm, I'm really not trying to, well, I can't even use that terminology. What term, terminology can I use, Lord? Looking like a, now I'm talking about after you've been living for God for a while. Looking like a poverty stricken, uncaring, don't care, whatever. I remember the time, I was about this tall. I remember the day, I can tell you, I stand standing in the living room of my house. And I was standing in front of a mirror there on the wall, and my mother is about this tall. My mother was doing my hair. She was combing my hair, getting ready for church on a Sunday morning, and she looked at me in the mirror. She said, son, when are you going to start caring about your hair? I looked at her like she fell off a turnip truck. I'm like, you ain't never said that to me. Why would I care about my hair when you care about my hair? I mean, if you're going to comb my hair, why do I need to comb my hair? But it dawned on me at that moment, hey, I'm old enough to care about my hair. I need to do something about this. And then when I became a teenager, I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I was just tired of wearing the same clothes over and over and over and over again and getting the, the cheapest clothes you can buy and wearing high waters and holes in my shoes because I grow up grew up in a poor family. And I went to work when I was 14. It's just called called self-esteem. It's not called pride. It's called God has saved me from a burning hell, and he's pulled me out of a world of promiscuity and lust and perversion and hatred. I want to look completely different than them out there because I want to be a light to them, and I want them to know if you'll obey God and have faith in him, he will bless you. I mean, you know, have you ever, finished this for me. Cleanliness is next to. We we know that. We know that. This is the house of worship. You ain't got to wear a tie to be saved. But man, if the CEO at Microsoft can wear them. And if the president can wear them. And I can certainly dress my best for Jesus. This is, this is not pride. Now, and I'm going to tell you something. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, under, let, me, let me just say this. I'm just nice. The cameras are rolling. It's all fine. I love all you people out there in the live stream world. And I hope you learned something tonight. I, I understand, I understand about not being able to afford new clothes. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But my God, if you only have one outfit, introduce that outfit to the finest iron money can buy. And when you come to the house of the Lord, let the Lord know. Because he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Now, that's not a doctrine, okay? I'm not saying if you got wrinkles in your clothes, you're going to hell, all right? Don't go off and say, I said that. I knew a church that believed that way up in Anderson, Indiana. They'd have church, and 15 minutes in, their clothes would be wrinkled, and the, and the, the female pastor would dismiss them, say, okay, it's break time. The ladies on this side and men on this side, and everybody would go out and iron their clothes, and they'd come back in a few minutes later. That's the truth. That's the gospel truth. They happen every service because God was coming back without a church for spot and wrinkle. You can take the word of God too far. Sorry about that. You can't take it too far. But that's figurative though. He said, I, I'm not coming back for a church that looks like the world. I'm coming back for a church that I've cleaned up. This is my bride. This is my bride. I want to dress her up. I want to make her look the best she can look. I want to shower her with blessings and gifts and power and glory and honor. And I want to put my anointing on her. Am I making sense here tonight? So, if, you know, if you only got, you know, nobody's being critical. I don't, you know, notice people wearing the same thing over and over. You know, I couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. But some of you like, I can't afford clothes from my kids, but I see a different outfit on them every time I see them. But the skirts are getting shorter, and the skirts are getting tighter. Why do you want to put your kids on display? Why? Well, it should get quiet right there. Why do you want your kids to be on display? Cover them up. There's a world full of pedophiles out there. There's a reason why God wants the body covered up, and there's a reason why he wants modesty. He don't want the wrong kind of people attracted to you. Is that all right? Is that okay, Brother Jones? All right, Brother Jones gave me a thumbs up, so we're good. All right, stand with me. Everybody say, we believe. believe. Now, listen, I've I've been pretty straight, not mean, but I've been pretty straight, and I've just said some things, just put them on out there. Now, normally, like I told you, I'm going to teach them a subject. I'll teach hours on any of these subjects you want to hear. You got the time, we'll sit down and talk about it. I'll break it down for you. I wrote a whole book about it. Wrote a whole book about it. You don't read my book. You can read this book. It's right here in this book. In black and white. I'm teaching stuff in this book. But sometimes I know the devil will get to working. People's flesh will get offended and all that kind of stuff. Spirit of offense move in. And people will leave offended. I don't want you to leave offended. So I want everybody to come. If you're a guest, I want you to come. If you're a member, I want you to come. Nobody's going to attack you. Nobody's going to. Strong arm you, nobody's going to arm wrestle you, throw on your floor, spit on you, nothing like that. Just everybody come. Everybody come. Tell you what, I'm glad y'all ain't running a race. slow and moving creature. Come on, turtles. Come on up. I'm not talking to Sister Gail's mom. She's on a walker. 89 years old. I hope I'm still moving at 89. Amen. Now look. Here's what I want you to do. David said, David said, Hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide your word in my heart. Put it here, God. People say, well, holiness is an inside thing. I agree. You get it right on the inside, it'll manifest itself outside. So that's the prayer we're going to pray tonight before we leave. And this is what we're going to say. God, I want to know the truth. I want to, hold on a second, and I want to live right, and I want to make heaven. I don't want to be caught on the outside of the gates of that city. When that day comes I've only got one life to get this right I don't want to be so Prideful and arrogant Holding on to what I think I want to do That I can't hear the word of God That word of God is precious And it was written by men that saw it And handled it This is not secondhand information So when you pray God loves sincerity He loves sincerity And if you'll just tell the Lord, God, I I don't have, because I'll tell him, I sure will. God, I don't have it all together right now. I need you, Lord, God, to begin to lead me. and Help me to become comfortable with what I'm supposed to become and what I'm supposed to be and what pleases you. And if you'll pray that every day of your life, I promise you, God will begin to show you things in the scripture you never thought possible. So let's pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, God for your word and we thank you Lord Jesus for a sure word of prophecy thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost dear Lord I pray Lord that you'd be with us here tonight in this place I pray Lord that you would help us to do what is pleasing to you in everything that we do in word and deed and attitude and spirit God I pray that you would move upon every child of God in this place By faith, Lord, we embrace the Word of God. I pray, Lord, as we realize that we are not perfect, I ask you, Lord, to reveal the things that are in the Word of God to us, that we may live upright, live righteous, live holy, live godly in this present world, that we may be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. For if the salt had lost its favor, wherewith shall it be salted? God, we need when people, when people see us, when people come in contact with us, we need them to taste and see that the Lord is good. We need them to see the glory of God about our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now that you would anoint every mind and every heart and every spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, help us to have the right attitude. I bind and rebuke the spirit of offense that would... Climb up on somebody here tonight and get offended at the preacher. Get offended at the word of God. I have stayed in your word, and everything that I have said is in the word of God. It can be proven. It can be backed up. It's a foundation underneath our feet, Lord. Hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. I pray that you would be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would help us, dear Heavenly Father. I pray that you would move on us in this sanctuary. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Would you lift your hands and just thank him. Thank him for truth and thank him for understanding. Thank him for revelation. Thank him thank Him that he loves you enough to talk to you and tell you what's right, tell you what's holy. I bind every form of false doctrine that would have a hold of every mind in this place, God. We lift your name high and we exalt you. We glorify you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I don't normally do this, um, but I just uh, feel to do this uh, this time. As you know, I've been preaching revival in Dayton and uh, just missing Sunday mornings and uh, doing everything I can to be here on Thursdays and Sunday nights. I didn't ask for it, I'm not trying to do it. Um, Matter of fact, I've given the pastor every opportunity that I can just to say, hey, you know, man, I'm good whenever, you know, I got a church to pastor and all that. Um, And so there's some important things happening there. But back in the back in the month of uh, March, a pastor from California uh, sent me a text and, and said, I was just sitting here in a church service, and the Lord spoke to me. And I, I need you to come preach for me. And not even 30 minutes before that, he came up so strong in my spirit. And I, I had my phone in my hand. I almost texted him. I have not preached there in at least 13 years. And uh, I almost texted him. He said, hey, man, you're on my mind this morning. Just wanted you to know I love you and praying for you and whatever. But before I got an opportunity, he texted me. Um, so I will not. Uh, I've got to leave 6 a.m. Saturday, and I'll preach there Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then I've, I'm catching the 10.30 p.m. flight home Monday flying all night. I'll get here at 10 a.m. Then I've got to go home, repack, get in the car, and drive to Dayton uh, to preach. Uh, I'm not trying to do this, and I'm not leaving this church hanging, and I'm not trying to, to you know, just put y'all on pause while this is going on. Uh, Pastor BK will be preaching here Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I want. It's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we're we're not stopping revival. You don't need me in town to have revival. Um, So I want you to bring guests, bring people that need the Holy Ghost, bring backsliders, tell them this is Pentecost Sunday. Well, what is that? Man, this is is when the Holy Ghost was poured out 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. And we're going to have a day of Pentecost experience, and you can be a part of it. And let's pack this building out Sunday morning and Sunday night.